Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. So many great things happening. I hope that you'll take advantage of each of those. Last week was absolutely incredible with Pastor Darren Poley. He ministered for our Miracle Offering Sunday. What a powerful, powerful message he preached. One mission, our mission. We ended the service by taking up a miracle offering to close the gap and what we're hoping to fund this year with global partners and, and local church expansion and future Christian leaders and, uh, and to close the gap between what's been raised and what still needs to be raised for that. And so we're giving people an opportunity again this Sunday to be a part of Miracle Offering Sunday and next week we'll come together and celebrate what God has done. I'm so excited to come back next week and share that number with you because each dollar represents the kingdom and a a global impact around the world because of the generosity of people in our church. Well, we've been in a series called Missio Day over the past few weeks, and we're going to wrap up the series this morning. We've looked at how God is the central character and the hero of the mission of God. That he's extended an invitation for us to join him on mission, which is humbling and also exciting. We get to demonstrate that the mission of God works. Think about where you were at before you were saved. For some, there is a night and day difference. I love this morning all of the people who got baptized. I want to congratulate you. Let's one more time, like just (laughs) praise God. I love to see the number of family members and friends that have come to celebrate with you and rejoice. And and what's happened today in this public declaration of faith and baptism is a very, very, very public demonstration that the gospel works, right? That people's lives have been transformed and changed. And these people today decided that they wanted to go public with it and tell the world. And so again, I'm just so proud of you for making that decision and and what it perfectly demonstrates that the mission of God is working. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we can look where we come from. We can look at what he saved us out of and and where we are now and know that it's only by the grace of God that it's happened. It's the Missio Dei working in our lives. The mission of God has worked in our lives and our lives demonstrate it. In addition to that, we get to use our mouths to declare the mission of God can work for others' lives as well. So this morning, as we talk about Missio Day for the last time in this series, we're going to talk about four different words, pray, go, send, repeat. Pray, go, send, repeat. I'm going to ask that you would repeat those after me. Pray, go, send, repeat. That was so strong. Let's do it one more time. Pray, go, send, repeat. We don't have to pray about whether or not we should be involved in the mission of God. Instead, God has given us a commandment to be part of it. And as we join God on mission, we should bathe our involvement in prayer. We pray and we ask God for favor and Holy Spirit empowerment, that he would open up the right doors and close the wrong doors. We ask for wisdom and insight and direction. We pray that God would fill in the gaps of the need and our ability. 
We pray that the Lord of the harvest will raise up more workers for the harvest field. We pray that as we go, we don't go in our own strength and our own talents and our own ability, but instead we go under the power of the Holy Spirit. Throughout this incredible book called the Bible, we see the mission of God at work from the beginning all the way to the end. We see that God has come to us. And after Jesus, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he articulated what he wanted the church to be about. In Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clear instructions that you've given to us. God, we ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us? Would you open up our ears to hear our hearts to receive and our minds to understand what you would have for us? In Jesus' name, amen. I came across this video that I think really demonstrates what could happen if we took these verses seriously. And so I'm gonna encourage you to turn your attention to the screen. Would you rather be given $1 million or one penny doubled every day for 30 days? You remember this question from math class, right? This is when we all learned the power of compound interest and exponential growth. At the end of 30 days, that doubled penny becomes just over $5 million. Turns out, the same concept applies to missions. Imagine you filled a football stadium with 100,000 people for a gospel outreach event and 20% of them came to know Christ. That day, 20,000 people would come into the kingdom. If you did that every day for a year, over 7 million people would come to faith. That sounds pretty great, right? Here's the question though. If you kept that pace of 7 million people each year, how long would it take to reach the world's population of 8 billion people? Over 1,000 years, 1,095 to be exact. A 100,000 person outreach event every day for a thousand years? From a pure number standpoint, mass evangelism will not reach the world for Christ in our lifetime. What about a different strategy inspired by that original math problem? Instead of preaching to 100,000 people every day, suppose you made one disciple each year, focused on their development, and equipped them to make their own new disciple every year. At the end of the first year, you would have two followers of Jesus, you and your disciple. At the end of the second year, you would have four, eight the third year, 16 the fourth, and so on, 32, 64, 128. How many years would it take to disciple the world using this strategy? 34 years. Do the math. Something profound happens when we take a multiplication mindset. In the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He continues by instructing us to teach those disciples to obey everything he commanded us. What was his final command? Go and make disciples. So our role is to make disciples that obey the command to make disciples that obey the command to make disciples. We're to go to all nations and make disciple-making disciples. That's multiplication. Reach the few in order to reach the many. 
What if you didn't feel the burden to preach to an entire village or city or country, but instead were faithful to the simple multiplication principles of the Great Commission? The entire world could be discipled in our generation if we started with just one. What about you? How might God want you to be involved in making disciples that make disciples and seeing movements of Jesus among every tribe, tongue, people, and nation? Would you rather fill a stadium every day for the next thousand years or commit to making one disciple this year? Let's do this together until all have heard, starting with discipling one. So, who's your one? And I love that last line of that video, who's your one, right? And I think that I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but I, I would think that many of you would go, I could start with one. I could do that. I could be part of discipling one person over the next year. It seems like something completely uh, tangible, something completely uh, able to be accomplished. And yet when you look at that original illustration, Mark Mollify came up to me after the first service and he's like, there's no way that one penny doubled over 30 days equals over $5 million. And I said, you know what? There's no chance that I'm gonna show a video on a Sunday morning without doing the research first. And so uh, I showed him the screenshot of just how the multiplication works of that. And it's crazy. I would have never, I didn't have that assignment in math class. And so I probably would have guessed wrong on those two options. But to think about for the body of Christ that Jesus has given us these instructions to go into all the world and make disciples and and to think that if we did it, it would actually work. If each follower of Jesus would disciple one person a year who could make it, who would disciple that another person the next year and another person the next year, that we could reach the entire world in our lifetime. Like how exciting to dream about that and to be a part of it. Verse number 19 of Matthew chapter 28 starts with this word go. And this verse is a huge component of our mission statement as a church, which is we exist to uh, inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to God, to grow in their relationship with him and go tell the world the good news. The mission of God and the mission of our church begins with Christ's work in our lives. And if we're plugging in the language from this verse into the first statement in our mission statement, it would be that we exist to inspire and equip people to become disciples of God. Like that's what we're after is for people to become disciples and followers of God. The next line of that statement is to grow in their relationship with him. It's all about him shaping us and forming us as his disciples. It's about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us and shaving off the rough edges and shaving out the sin in our life that's not glorifying to God so that we more accurately reflect an image of Christ in our lives. We grow in our relationship with him as we're being made as his disciples. And we go because he has sent us and honestly, it's the only reasonable thing that we can do. In light of God's mercies, the only reasonable thing for us to do is to go and to share the gospel with others. We're sent with a purpose. In Luke chapter four, verse number 16, talking about Jesus says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. 
the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. After Jesus quotes these verses from Isaiah, he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If we're to follow Jesus' example, we're to proclaim the good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today is the day of salvation. So we look at the mission of God there. There is no minimum quota to be met. God's desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. Go is not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle and a lifetime of going. It's not exclusively about a one-time serve day or jumping on an airplane to minister to people who are geographically far from here. As we go, there's still one more. There's always one more. And who is that one that you could reach and that you could disciple? Our work's not done until he takes us home or till he returns. And wherever we go, we let the light of Jesus shine bright in us. And we use our mouths to proclaim the goodness and the power at work in us and around us. I'm trying to get better at this. Recently, I stopped at one of our local gas stations and just asked the cashier how he was doing. And the response was a little cryptic, right? How many of you have ever asked someone, how are they doing? And they responded with good. Would you just raise your hand? Okay. You know what to do there. Like, how, when they say bad, you know, you're like, well, I don't know what to do now. And, but then when it's a cryptic response, you really don't know what to do. And so I'm trying to be more sensitive to the spirit of God. And, and so I just said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, I was not on the right path. I wasn't making good decisions. And now I'm making good decisions. So that's why I answered it the way that I answered it. And I said, man, that's great. And I I have some self-awareness to realize that the line behind me is backing up of people who want to buy their lottery tickets and uh, and are like, can you please hurry this along? And so I just said to him, look, my name's Jonathan. I pastor Cross Point Church just down the street. And if you want to talk more about this, feel free to reach out. To which his response was, do you know pastor so-and-so? I said, as a matter of fact, I do. He says, well, I go to that church. And I said, that's fantastic. You should talk to Pastor so-and-so about this. You should talk to Pastor so-and-so about this. And so um, I share that story with you this morning for a couple of reasons. One is just to say that I think that all of us could grow in demonstrating that the mission of God works. And I think we could also grow in declaring that the mission of God works. The second reason why I share that with you is because we're not about recruiting already people who are already followers of Jesus, a part of a great church to another great church. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, as soon as that person told me that they're part of another church, I did not go into some kind of diatribe to go, well, our church is better. Well, you should come to our church. No, instead I was like, you need to go talk to your pastor. The other thing that I did is as soon as I got in my truck, I called his pastor and I said, hey, just want you to know about this conversation that I had. And he said, no, he didn't say this. I said to him, I know that you think the best of me. 
you know, that you would give me the benefit of the doubt. But I just have to tell you this conversation so that you know that I'm not actively trying to recruit people from the amazing church that you get to pastor to come to our church. We talk frequently about the 12,000 people within a 10-mile radius of our church who don't go to church. And here's what I want to say to us this morning as we engage in the mission of God, as we pray and as we go, let's be about finding them. Let's be about inviting them. Let's be about demonstrating and declaring the mission of God to them. Go is not a one-time event. We don't go once, share once, invite once, and then say, well, I've been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. Said our going is ongoing. When I was preparing this message at a public place, I had my CP, my Crosspoint Church hoodie on. And, and this guy says to me, Crosspoint Church, is that a good church? I said, no, it's an amazing church. It's a great church. I said, I hope so, because I'm, I'm the pastor of it. And he said to me, I literally just moved to the Cedar Valley yesterday and I'm looking for a new church. If we're open, there are opportunities all around us where God wants to and will use us in our going. We have the responsibility and obligation to go make disciples. We get to do this. So we pray and we go. We also get to be part of sending others to go where we can't. That's why I love Kingdom Builders. It enables us to be a part of what God is doing in his global church in a much bigger way. I spent quite a bit of time in preparation for this message studying the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys. It's honestly remarkable to look at the scope of his journeys. He traveled over 10,000 miles. And some of you are like, big deal, I could do that in a week. Yeah, well, try doing that on foot, right? Try doing that by a ship, not by a fast-moving train or car or an airplane. In this traveling of over 10,000 difficult miles, he established at least 14 churches. The book of Acts records three of his missionary journeys, and the letters that he wrote to other churches refer to a fourth missionary journey. In many of the places where he went, he experienced amazing fruit, but also tremendous opposition and resistance. Many of the places that he went, numerous people became followers of Jesus. Churches were planted, disciples were made, and ministers were developed. And Paul kept going. After his first or second stop on his first missionary journey, he didn't stop. Instead, he continued. And on his second missionary journey, he continued. And his third missionary journey, he continued. He didn't stop. And on the fourth missionary journey, the reason why he stopped was because he was locked up in prison. And I would propose to you that based off of previous stories that we would see when Paul was in prison, he didn't stop going when he was there, right? You remember that story when Paul and Silas are locked up in prison and they're praying and they're singing songs to God and all of a sudden an earthquake hits and the walls collapse down and the prison guard is about to take his life because he thinks all the prisoners have escaped. And Paul looks at him and he says, we're still here. And in that moment, led him and his family to Jesus in prison in the midst of adversity, Paul was still going. In fact, the only thing that stopped Paul from continuing to go was when his life was taken as a martyr. Along the way, Paul funded his livelihood through tent making. 
but he also extended an invitation for people to join in covering and sharing in his travel expenses. And there's a story found in Philippians chapter 4 of a church that he thanked profusely for their partnership. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10, Paul said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abide, abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The church in Philippi funded some of Paul's missionary endeavors. And Paul writes in verse number 17, he says, not your money that I seek, it's not your gift that I seek. Instead, he writes that it's the fruit of his labors that increases to your credit. Last week, I shared how Kingdom Builders is and Miracle Offering is about giving access and proximity to our church so that we can say yes to the need. I wanna approach it from a different angle that Paul addresses in this verse and say it like this. Kingdom Builders and Miracle Offering is about giving you access and proximity to some incredible global partners that are doing amazing things. And as you give, the fruit of their labor increases to your credit. The fruit of their labor increases to your credit. Who doesn't want in on that? When we hear from missionaries that our church supports through Kingdom Builders, their fruit is credited to each person who gives. We support some missionaries that are part of what's called the Live Dead movement. And I wanna show you a video this morning of a story of one person who became a follower of Jesus that's fruit of that ministry. Of the eight billion people in the world, over three billion people are unreached. My name is Nasser. I'm from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and I was once one of those unreached billions. Your giving played a part in my story. Thank you for that. Did you know that Christians spend $896 billion on Christian causes every year? That's incredible. Awesome, in fact. Again, I thank you for that. What is not quite as awesome is that of all those billions, 82% is spent within the church, 12% on local ministry, 
5.7% on international ministry and only 1.7% is spent to reach unreached peoples. What is concerning is that while 42% of the world is unreached, we, the people of God, are only spending 1.7% of our giving to reach them. I am not saying that the people of God are stingy, nor am I asking you to stop tithing. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be supporting your local soup kitchen or rescue center. I'm not asking you to stop standing with Christians all around the world. And I'm certainly not saying that Christians serving in other ministries abroad are not worthy of your support. By all means, continue to support them. I applaud you for it. May your support for them continue to increase and grow. All I am saying is this. If 42% of the world is currently unreached, it's going to be very challenging to reach them if only 1.7% of our Christian giving is actually directed towards them. But if we together can increase our giving to match the percentage of the world's population that is currently unreached, 42%, think how many more people like me will inherit eternal life? Brothers and sisters, for the glory of King Jesus among all peoples, for the sake of the billions that are unreached, people like my father, family that I have, friends, whom Jesus so deeply loves, I unashamedly plead with you, let's designate at least 42% of our giving towards reaching the unreached. I believe Jesus is coming back soon and our King is worthy to receive his full inheritance in the nations. Let's finish the job in our lifetime. humbling and challenging video. There's something very personal in that video about this young man. And he says, so that people like my dad can be reached. And I love what he says at the beginning. He said, I'm, I'm not telling you or asking you to stop doing what you're doing, but instead I'm asking you, would you consider for the sake of my dad, for the sake of my family, for the sake of my country, for the sake of the world, would you consider giving so that unreached people could be reached? We pray, we go, we send, and we put it on repeat. Paul goes on to tell the church in Philippi that as they've met the needs, the, the needs of seeing the gospel spread in other regions, that God was gonna supply for every one of their needs. In verse number 19, Paul says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. 
As we take, as we're about the Father's mission, he takes care of us. As we give sacrificially and generously and joyfully to kingdom builders, God takes care of us. The percentage that he referenced is just pathetic of what's spent on global causes. And it's challenged to 42% of income be going to unreached people. I'll tell you, we're not there yet. But what I will tell you is that 30% of our total income this year as a church has been given away through kingdom builders, 30%. That's happened because of a couple of reasons. One is right off the top, anything that's given to our church in the general fund, 10% of that is designated to kingdom builders because we're just saying as a church, it's important to us. It's important to us. And so like we're gonna give the first 10% of what comes in each month away through Kingdom Builders. Secondly, 20% of our entire church income has come in and been designated to Kingdom Builders. And I'm grateful to be a part of a church that's generously investing in kingdom causes. And can I tell you that in the last 10 years, as our church has been generous, that not one time have we missed a payment. Not one time. God has blessed us. And some of you might say, well, when are we gonna take the foot off the gas when it comes to asking our church for joyful, generous kingdom builders dollars? And I'm just gonna tell you, we're gonna pray and we're gonna go and we're gonna send and we're gonna put it on repeat and we're gonna pray and we're gonna go and we're gonna send and we're gonna put it on repeat. Say it with me, we're gonna pray, we're gonna go, we're gonna send, repeat, we're gonna pray, We're gonna go, we're gonna send, we're gonna repeat. To whom much is given, much is required and the need around the world is great and we get to be part of meeting it. Equally important, we need it. When we're generous, it allows us to reflect the heart of our heavenly father who is generous and as we're generous, it breaks the bonds of materialism and greed. And as we're generous, one day we'll stand before the maker of heaven and earth and we'll give an account of our lives and he will credit us with stuff that we never knew about this side of eternity because we invested in kingdom builders. Think about that. And so we pray and we go and we send and repeat. Jesus is asked in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 14, when he'll return, right? And so much of what's happening in our world today has people looking at, is this the end Is this when Jesus is gonna come back? In Matthew chapter 24, verse number 14, here's Jesus's response. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. And so we pray, we go, we send and repeat until the gospel has been shared to every nation and every tribe on earth, and he returns or he takes us home. There's still one more and it's personal. You have friends, you have families, you have coworkers, neighbors who are far from God. And the maker of heaven and earth has given us an invitation to be on mission with him, to pray that those people wouldn't perish, to go and proclaim that the gospel works and to send others to places where we can't go. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. 
There are some of you who are here today and you're far from God. You've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. And, and today it's not by accident that you're here. Instead, Jesus wants to demonstrate in your life that the gospel works, that the bonds, the bonds of sin can be broken in your life. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. You say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. all stand here's what I'm going to do I'm going to lead us in a prayer and if you raise your hand I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you but know that you won't be praying this prayer alone but that each of us in support of you will also be praying let's pray say dear heavenly father thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done. If you prayed that prayer today, I'm gonna ask that you do a couple of things. One is, in just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to the front of the auditorium. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you at that time to step out of your seat. But if you prayed that prayer, I'd ask that you would come forward and let them know of the decision that you've made today and let them pray a prayer of blessing over you. In addition to that, why don't you look to the person who invited you or the person on your left or right and tell them about the decision that you've made today so that they can encourage you in the journey. I'm gonna pray. Worship team's gonna lead us in another song. And if you've come here today, again, needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to make your way out of your seat as they begin singing and come forward for prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we truly are humbled that you would extend an invitation for us to be on mission with you. And so God, we truly ask this morning that you would empower us, that you would give us boldness and that as we leave from this building today, that we would go with purpose, that we would not only uh, proclaim that the gospel works in our life, but we would declare it with our mouth. Would you give us opportunities, even like I had in preparation of this message of somebody who's, who's hungry, who's already ready. Lord, I pray that as we leave from here and we share the gospel and we make invites to people that it would fall upon receptive hearts. As we think about the 12,000 people within a 10 mile radius of our church who don't go to church, who are without hope, would you help our lives to intersect with them? Would you give us wisdom and the words to say? Or would you fill in the gaps between our ability and the need? God, thank you for the credit that 
this body receives as we so generously to missionaries and missions agencies around the world and even right here in our community. God, we pray that their fruit will continue to increase and we pray that generosity will continue to increase. As that video talked about the the unreached around the world and the dismal amount of money that's given towards that, would you help our church to give so generously and abundantly that that percentage would even look small because we recognize the urgency and the importance of this gospel being preached in every nation to every tribe. God, empower us, we pray, with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.